Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 194. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. This week on the show, we have two reviews lined up with Spike Lee's latest, Chirac, along with Tetsuya Nakashima's The World of Kaneko. Of course, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases... First up, let's talk about some news. Uh, first bit of news I have this week is that the Sundance Film Festival has announced its competition lineup. Have you had a chance to look at this bad boy? No. No? Nope. I also did not have a chance <laughs> to look at this. So I'm literally looking at it right this second. Okay, hit me, hit me with something. What we got? You got uh, Andrew Neal's uh, Goat. That's one okay. that I'm interested in, written yeah, by yeah. him and David Gordon Green. Chris Kelly's Other People okay. with right. uh, Jesse Plemons and Molly Shannon. There's a shitload. We have the full list on the site. You can go through it there. <laughs> you looked at like two movies and you're like, oh, I got time to look through all these. Well, I realized how large the list was and that I actually have not gone through the list to like pick out ones that I'm especially interested in. So. You know, I'll just say, uh, check out the list and start start marking stuff on your watch list on Letterboxd. There you go. Start adding them. Yeah, because they have, they announced the, um, the uh, U.S. competition, the documentary competition, and the international. So, all of this, it's oh, a huge list. So many. Yeah. Lots of, lots of uh, interesting stuff. I'm just kind of like paging through the directors because I don't even know who has stuff that's yeah that's well there. antonio campos has a new one. Oh yeah yeah i saw that on his uh twitter um, i i've been uh interested in this nate parker the birth of a nation oh yeah that is nat turner i heard that that's, that looks good yeah here's one called how to tell you're a douchebag <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh a new one from chad hardigan Nice. Morris from America, about a 13-year-old Morris, a hip-hop-loving American who moves to Heidelberg, Germany, with his father. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, one of the big ones that I'm I'm pretty excited for, Operation Avalanche, Matt Johnson's latest, friend of the show. Oh. Yeah. Wonder when he would come out with something. Well, I know he, he's been working on Operation Avalanche for a while, because it's... It sounds, I mean, from what he was telling me, it sounds like it's going to be pretty ambitious. Like, he was using, because it's like kind of a found footage documentary style movie, just like um, The Dirties. But because it takes place in the 60s, he had to use, like, all vintage cameras and stuff. Yeah. So, it's um, it sounded like it was going to be quite a challenging movie to make. But hmm. it's uh, about four undercover CIA agents who are sent to NASA, posing as a documentary film crew, and they uncover the the fact that we faked the moon landing, basically. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I'm sure that it's going to be awesome. Like, I'm glad to see that that's going to be premiering at, at Sundance. So We also have a new Robert Greene, Kate Place Christine, which is the same subject matter as Antonio Campos' new film. So both of them are going to be playing there. Interesting. But- Christine Chubbuck, the, the, which I think she, I don't know if she was a news anchor or something. She committed suicide on air. Oh, back yeah. In, 
Yeah, back in the 70s. So they're both going to be about that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. As usual, there is a ton of stuff to be looking forward to at this year's festival. So um, be sure you head over, check out the full list, because there's a ton of stuff to... Yeah, there's a good bit here. Yeah, ton of stuff to latch on to. The National Board of Review announces their 2015 award winners. So Mad Max Fury Road took home Best Film. Ridley Scott took home Best Director for The Martian. Best Actor... Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? All right. Sorry. Yeah, that's Continue. a surprise. I mean, I haven't that's seen The Martian just, yet. That's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Even if, like, The Martian's, like, decent. It, I mean, it's based off of a book. Like, there's, I can't imagine that there's that much creativity. Yeah. Or innovation coming from Ridley Scott for The Martian. Did you see or hear that that was submitted as uh, best comedy in the best comedy category for the Golden Globes? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, my, my girlfriend saw it. She said it is really funny, but come on. It's a sci-fi movie. Let's be real, people. It's not a comedy. It can be a sci-fi movie and have comedic elements. But I don't think that movie is billed yeah, as a comedy. No, it's not. I don't think it was marketed as a comedy unless I missed. <laughs> unless goofy, I missed some trailers and stuff. The goofy red band trailer. <laughs> oh, God. Matt Damon up, uh, won Best Actor for The Martian. Oh, for Christ's sake. Who's this again? Who is the awards of these? <laughs> this is the National Board of Review. Who the fuck is the review of what? Uh, movies. National Board of Review. Do they review anything else besides movies? Um, maybe. I don't know. I've never heard of this outfit. <laughs> uh, D- Drew Goddard won Best Adapted Screenplay for The Martian. What the fuck? <laughs> so they just love The Martian, that's what you're telling me. Yeah. They fucking love The Martian. Seems, seems that way. Uh, Did they see any other films besides The Martian and Mad Max, <laughs> I guess? <laughs> Well, uh, Hateful Eight got, looks like, two two awards. That was the be- Best Original Screenplay uh, for Quentin Tarantino and Best Supporting Actress for Jennifer Jason Leigh. So they, okay. some Hateful so they, saw, Eight. Three, they saw three films. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone won Best Supporting Actor for Creed. Oh, okay. I heard that, he, that that's his finest role. So that, that has me even more interested to see Creed. I have not <clears throat> yet. Yeah. Best animated feature went to Inside Out. Uh, best documentary went to Amy. I have mm-hmm. a an award screener for that it, yet, but I haven't seen it. So, Jesus, what you're reading to me is like the audible equivalent of Ambien. <laughs> it's just like you're just you're just putting me to sleep. How about this? Best foreign language film went to Son of Saul. Okay, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet, so I can't really judge it. Yeah, but I've been hearing really good things about that one. Top films. Okay, so they also released their list of top films. Uh, They were as follows. Bridge of Spies, Creed, The Hateful Eight, Inside Out, The Martian, Room, Sicario, Spotlight, and Straight Outta Compton. Okay. I feel like that those are all like the big mainstream Hollywood picks. It's all the biggest movies of the year, really. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Seriously? I think I, mean, I don't that's know what their voting criteria is, but no. But again, it just sounds like that's all they like. Those are the only movies they saw. Yeah, 
<laughs> their top movies were the only movies they saw. <laughs> that's, what, that's how they originally had a build. It was just like the movies we saw this year. And then someone looked at it and was like, no, can we change that? It's like it's like what my top top ten list looks like in January. You know, at the end of January when you only saw ten movies. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh their top five foreign language films. Goodnight Mommy, Mediterranea, Phoenix, The Second Mother, and The Tribe. Okay. That's a that's pretty solid. So wait, is that you said that's their top five? Top five foreign language. Was Son of Saul in there? No. <laughs> oh god this is great top five documentaries best of enemies the black panthers vanguard of the revolution the diplomat listen to me marlin and the look of silence okay i have not seen any of those actually me either i will see the look of silence before the end of the year because i you have to yeah uh top five top 10 independent films they gave the indie films Oh, so they, they gave the indie films a separate category. I, I love it when they when when places do that, as if they're different than regular films, you know what I mean? It's it's their way of saying like we don't wanna give these films attention, but at the same time we wanna keep them separated. Yeah. So, just, so the top ten independent quote unquote films are seventy one, forty five years, cop car, ex machina, grandma. It follows James White, Mississippi Grind, Welcome to Me, and While We're Young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Right. What? I mean, some of those I agree with, but Welcome to Me? I mean, what? Grandma? Come on. Again, my only guess is that they saw like 12 independent films. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Uh... I don't know. I don't know, guys. National Border Review. I'm not so sure about your picks here. I don't like any of them, really. Yeah. This is boring. I'm this not, is not, boring. I'm not I'm not feeling these picks. Uh more interesting list this week. John Waters posted his top ten films of the year. Now there you go. There's someone that actually deserves some attention. Yeah, I, I always what's, what's John Waters gotta say? So his number one film of the year was Helmut Berger Actor. Okay. Which I have not seen. I haven't either, but now it's now I'm jumped. interested. His number two, more interestingly, his number two film of the year is Cinderella. Okay, the Kenneth Branagh one, which I did Damn. see, and I don't get what the big hoopla is about that movie. I did not. Okay. I did not enjoy it. All right, number three, The Forbidden Room. All right, interesting, interesting. That's coming to Fandor, by the way. Yeah, I saw uh, the the saw something about that Fandor tweet or something. Fandor is doing some interesting shit. I'm not so sure about the Forbidden Room. I've... I'm not. I'm not really either. But I just love this. I love this now that Fandor's getting these movies. Even though I, you know, I'm not into every single one they're getting. But yeah, I they're just getting like, like the idea of it, and yeah, I like but... to see where this goes because this is just the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's these like the films they're getting. It's like new. St- I like that it's new stuff, like brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that they have like potential to become a like some sort of independent film vod like day and date provider or something like that you know i think that'd be really cool if they started doing more releases like that where the films that only get these small limited releases in you know select cities yeah because that's what they did with the release because that's what they did with 
Christmas again this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think next weekend or the weekend after is Stinking Heaven. They're doing the same thing with. Yeah. I just I love it. Yeah, I think it's I think that's really cool. Uh number four, Tom at the Farm. Okay. Number five, Mad Max Fury Road. Number All six, right. Carol. Number seven, The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. If uh for those of you that uh don't follow us on Twitter, if you check out our my Twitter avatar, it's done by the artist that did all of the animation in Diary of a Teenage Girl. Um, so that's cool. Indeed. Number eight, Tangerine. Number nine, oh. Fly Colt Fly, Legend of the Barefoot Bandit. I've never heard. Nope. Not never sure what that one is, actually. Number ten, Love. Okay. So, very uh, interesting list. I've... Much more interesting than the National <laughs> Board of Review. Yeah. They're, even their name is boring. the blandest Bland. name I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, some of these, uh, a, a couple of these are definitely going to be on my top ten. So, I his, his lists are always very interesting. If you want to check out the art forum uh, article, he has descriptions on why he picked each one and all of that. So, oh, okay. Yeah, if you if you look at the on our site, we have a link to the art forum, the original art forum post, so you can you can check that out. Uh, Slam Dance announced their competition lineup. Oh, good. Everybody's announcing everything. Well, Slam Dance always they they always kind of it's always the same where you know Slam Dance happens concurrently with Sundance, so when they make the announcements right around the same time. Yeah. Slam dance is always interesting because you, you you have no idea what to expect because the way that slam dance works is you have to be a first time director and your movie has to be under a million dollars. So it's not like, oh, the new blah 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 is playing at slam dance. These are all new people. So Yeah. Which is it's good because you have no idea what you, Yeah. And what to expect from anything. Yeah, and I mean we've been covering slam dance for the last three three years maybe and uh there's always a few that i'll see there that are really really interesting and different yeah so you can check out the full list on uh on our site uh we have one one trailer came out already for alvin's harmonious world of opposites which seems slightly interesting i don't know the trailer didn't grab me too much but um you know could could be interesting so Hopefully we will have uh, some of these movies reviewed when uh, when they start to screen at Slam Dance this year. Hopefully, yeah. I'm I'm not going this year, but hopefully we'll still be able to review some of the stuff. Trailers this week. Uh, only a couple trailers. Only a few trailers I want to mention. The big one is the new trailer for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Ooh. This one, uh, I gotta, okay, first off, I'll say, if you have any interest in seeing this movie, I would advise to not watch this second trailer, because it gives away, I think, way, way too much. I feel like after seeing the second trailer, that I now know the whole movie, and nothing is gonna be a surprise. They held back maybe, like, probably one or two big surprises, but for the most part, yeah, they gave, they gave away pretty much the whole plot and and the stuff that they didn't directly give away you can infer i mean it's it seems like it's going to be a pretty straightforward movie uh i was not into this trailer 
not not into it. I'm I'm pretty worried about this movie now because <laughs> this this trailer does not bode well for me. I'm I'm still gonna see it. Like I'm still I love Batman, so I'm still gonna check it out and hope for the best. Yeah, but I don't know, dude. I do not know can. about this one. That's all you can do. It's the the dialogue is pretty pretty bad in it, and Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. They they changed the personality of Lex Luthor quite a bit. He, oh, that's a good idea. They kind of made him seem like the Joker, actually, where he's oh, Jesus, where he's kind of he seems like a psychopath. He seems <clears throat> like, he's like really fast talking. I mean, it's Jesse Eisenberg, so. I don't know, so I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one, but not holding my breath. Uh, the Hank Williams biopic, I Saw the Light, got a trailer. This is the one with Tom Hiddleston and um, Elizabeth Olsen. Basically, it looks like Walk the Line. Yeah. And like a cheesier version of Walk the Line. Okay. I'm not really on board with this one. Did you did you have a trailer for this when you saw Chirac? Uh Chirac actually had no trailers whatsoever at my screening. <laughs> interesting, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too. I don't know if I've ever experienced that before. Well there was a there's kind of a snafu with mine too, and I'll mention it when we when we get into the review. Uh the only other trailer I want to mention was the nice guys. This is the new Shane Black uh crime comedy, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Watch if you haven't seen this trailer yet, Kevin. Watch it. It's a red band trailer. Oh my god, I I cannot wait for this movie. I'm a huge fan of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I loved that movie, and this is kind of Shane Black. It feels the same as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and has that kind of same feel to it. Um, it takes place in the '70s, and I uh, I just I cannot wait for this one. So with Ryan Gosling and um, Russell Crowe. And it just looks, it looks hilarious and very darkly comedic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super, super excited for the nice guys. I still gotta watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I love that movie. Love it. There's so many damn movies to watch. There's a lot. There, <sighs> there, especially this time of year. It's too much. I can't it's handle too, it. It's like an overload on my, and then it's trying to like prioritize everything to make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But today, we already know which two that we're going to be talking about, and let's jump into the first one. That's The World of Kaneko. This is directed by Tetsuya Nakashima. I have a synopsis here. As as former detective Akikazu searches for his missing daughter, Kaneko, he soon learns she has a mysterious secret life. I think... Hmm. Do you want to start this one, or should I... I'll start this one. Okay. I'll start this one. Kevin, what'd you think of the world of Conoco? World of Conoco. This was, uh, this is a bit odd. Uh, number one, I'm just going to say it because I always do. Too long. <laughs> I agree. I, I <laughs> too agree. Long. It's just too long. It, it, it is just about two hours long. There's no need for it. Um, the, the main bright spot for me or at least the thing that stuck out the most was the editing i mean this movie is all over the place i it's just i mean like the beginning of this thing i had no fucking clue no, what was going no. on it was just it, all just jumping around it left is and right. so frenetic and the cuts see normally 
I like I like long takes. I like minimal cuts. This movie is the exact opposite. There are so many cuts. I mean, and not only is it yeah. the ed the way that it's edited scene by scene, but they jump around in time too. Yes. And they they do it right from the beginning, so they don't give you any time to establish the 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 characters. So you don't know who these people are or what their relationship to each other is. And the, and you, they just immediately start time jumping and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And it does become clear. I mean, as yeah. you watch it, yeah. it, all the pieces start to fall into place. But I'll, at first I, I, I was like, nah, I can't, this is not working <laughs> for me at all. It's like within like the first like five, 10 minutes, I was just like, please, I hope at some point this makes sense to me. Well, it wasn't just the fact that it, that it didn't make sense to me. It was just the, the visual style really could, took some Yeah, because I just, I couldn't keep up with it. Especially, like you said, it's, it's, it's enough when it's just cut after cut after cut after cut. But to have all of those cuts and then, you know, half of them are present time and the other half of them are the past and you're just jumping back and forth between everything it's just, and this is before they really even introduced what the hell is going yeah, on. Yeah, you don't even know what's going on. I mean, the move, the pace in this movie is it's such a, it's such a breakneck pace that you're just like, whoa, whoa, just slow down for two seconds. I need to get my bearings because not only that, but they they flash dates to try to help you understand Which, how everything fits in the timeline. But the dates are all fucked up, and like they they don't. <laughs> what, what I want to know is because there's a decent amount of movies that do this where they'll do you know like the little inner title card or whatever, and then have the date and the time and everything. Is anyone ever able to keep up with that? No, I don't like, think I so. Never remember even like the, the split second after it goes away. I forget. I yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just like, well, that was worthless because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. is, is this a tuesday is this like two days later yeah what is this and i know that just makes me sound stupid but i'll readily admit that i can't no i think it's brain, a common my thing. brain doesn't doesn't keep any of that shit no because you're trying so hard to figure everything else out you're trying to understand who these characters are and how they're related to each other and you know, th- this person is friends with this person because there's a lot of characters in this movie. I mean, it's essentially a mystery of sorts yeah. where he's searching for his daughter. His daughter's missing. He's searching for her. And th- the title comes from the fact that he's kind of entering her world and trying to retrace her steps. And he's talking to her friends and people that she hung out with and piecing together her the, the secret life that she had. And as yeah. a result, you know, we're meeting all of these new people all the time. And yes. it's just, it's just craziness. And trying to figure out the correlation between everyone. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's, it's a mystery. Okay. And for a decent amount of time, it works really well as a mystery. Okay. I was, I was hooked. I was intrigued. I wanted to figure out the mystery. I was ready to just go along for the ride until the end. But this movie, for it being, essentially two hours the mystery is pretty much solved like before the halfway point you pretty much have an idea of okay i understand kanako's world pretty much got a firm grasp on it sure throughout the movie you know as it progresses it'll solidify some things but 
for the most part, you have a pretty good understanding of what's going on here. And then it just keeps going and going. And, like, there's just no mystery at that point in time. Well, you still don't know exactly what happened to her. No, but it, that point almost becomes mute after a while because they keep delaying and delaying and delaying. And it's like, okay, well, the delay would make sense if I cared for this person. But you've shown me time and time again well, that I do not, I should not yeah. care for this person whatsoever. <laughs> so I don't really care what happened to her. Yeah, like, Sorry. Yeah, like you said, they pretty pretty early on they reveal that she is is not a nice schoolgirl, nice well behaved schoolgirl. She's actually uh pretty evil. And uh I actually like the fact that, that she was uh it was, that yeah, way. It, was, it was interesting. Because I think that it made it made <clears throat> the conflict feel it just gave everything more weight because the the <laughs> Everybody in this movie is so horrible. They're like the worst people to ever live. I mean, there's some really horrible stuff that happens in this movie. And so much horrible. The, the main character, um, Akikazu, he's horrible. And he's just the most despicable, awful human being ever. So after you find out, you know, that his daughter turned out that way, first you're like, oh, well, it kind of makes sense. But then... It kind of adds this whole new layer of, do I even care what happened to her? Should he care now that he knows? And, and, yeah, and I think it's interesting that it goes and turns turns it a little bit where instead of him trying to find his daughter, it kind of gets twisted into this. He still wants to find his daughter, but it's now it's mostly for him to kill her. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know if I've seen that before. But again, they just draw it out and draw it out that you're just like, I, I, if he finds her and he kills her, great. If the, he dies in the process, fine. I just, you're all pieces of shit. I don't really care. You're just doing terrible, terrible, awful things. And it seems like it's just this movie almost feel like after a certain per- point in time, you're almost thinking to yourself, like, it's just this an excuse to be an endless parade of terrible, awful things. Is that what we're going for here? Because he tries to add some, you know, like this message or whatever, how he keeps bringing up, like it's the responsibility of the parents and, you know, her coming out the way she did because of him and this and that, but they don't really seem to go that deep with it. They don't really seem to explore that outside of just occasionally saying like, it's the responsibility of the parent. Well, they don't outright, yeah, they don't really outright discuss those types of things. I think that it's all just, you know, through the through their actions that we can kind of, you know, it's a cautionary tale of sorts. Um, just don't act like these people. Don't do it. These well, are, these are and the- it's, it's, it, and again, is that a cautionary tale that we need? Like, how many people are acting like these people? I, I hope not. Hopefully not many. many. Hopefully not many. <laughs> But I mean, I think everybody, but it's also interesting that, you know, he kind of corrupts her, but then she goes and she starts corrupting everyone around her too. She does this, she does the same thing. And it's just kind of interesting to see this kind of corrosion. Yeah, it's just nonstop manipulating people, which I found kind of interesting as well is when he's talking to all these people and just person after person is essentially saying the same thing that she's she's a demon she's evil 
She's an awful person. She ruins everyone. But yet everyone, even though they know this, still just does whatever she says. Mm-hmm. Which it just makes no sense to me. I can see like, yes, maybe one person, like the, the kid that becomes infatuated with her. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. But every single person and adults too. What? Yeah, and the and like the the girls too that want to be like her best friend and all of this stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just it's all so ridiculous. And then this is my my biggest problem that I have. It's a small thing, but yet at the same time a big thing considering the rest of the movie. The people that get hit by cars in this movie. <laughs> the dude, the best one was the guy, the cop. When the cop what? gets hit by the car, and I, and I. It's so ridiculous. It's so, it's so over the top, just goofy. Well, there's a lot of goo. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of this movie was meant to be 100% serious because it, it's portrayed as kind of a, I don't know. It's it's kind of has the look of a like a, an exploitation film, really. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, yeah. Again, opening credits, fantastic. Yep. I just love the fuck you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what was the other one too? Uh, there's the one before it. God damn it. Uh, at one point I... it just said fuck. Yeah. And then, oh, I can't remember. What's the other one? There was another one that they showed a bunch of times that I can't remember. I thought about writing it down and I was like, no, it's only three words. You'll remember that, Kevin. <laughs> My dinner. Uh yeah, I love the I love the intro of this, and I I did love the periodic blood splatter when he would get beat very badly, and they would just cut to it randomly. Yeah, because that's another thing. Everyone is indestructible in this movie. Yeah, he gets he gets pummeled. The, that kid gets his ass beat a he, million and then times. The, the, the final showdown between him and that guy. Yeah, oh yeah, that guy should have died like. 15 minutes ago yeah <laughs> he's still going i mean and when he hits the one guy with the car the guy is standing in between he's standing right up against the car that's sitting stationary mm-hmm. the guy was driving the car straight at him hits him which obviously would just pin him into the other car and just turn him into like a, like a puddle of yeah like blood and just a bag of broken yeah, just bones all sorts of terrible things just mushed together but no it like flips him over the car like 20 feet up in the air and then he lands and he's just like, Oh shit, I got hit by a car. Yeah. He was like, what the fuck is happening? I loved how his main weapon in this movie seemed to be his car. Like, yeah, I I love the scenes when he would just, he just did, he gave no fucks. He would just smash into everything and everyone with his car. Like that was his entrance was just smashing into you with his car. (laughs) That's how he says hello to every single person in this smashes movie. Into, it smashes into either their car or hits them. Uh, and like, also, that's the way he says goodbye. Yes. Absolutely. Just hitting people with cars constantly. Uh, yes. It's it's a weird, tonally, it's kind of all over the place. Because it's all over the place. In one, in one respect, it is very, very over the top and, and borderline silly. But in other aspects, it is uh, way like almost hard to watch. It's very, very dark. Yeah, I, I mean, think it gets too dark. I just think it was too dark. I think that some of the scenes, yeah, didn't have to be 
there there's some places that it goes that I don't think it had to go there. Plus, and then when you you know when you sprinkle those really really overly goofy bits in there, just it doesn't work. It's trying to it's trying to move between the ends of the spectrum, and those ends are just way too far apart. Yeah, it just kind of gets all over the place. Yeah, I I pretty much agree with that. I still I don't I don't want to to make it seem like I didn't like the movie because I actually I did I did enjoy the well saying enjoy it. This is one of those movies where it's like <laughs> you feel kind of dirty if you say you liked it. Yeah, but uh, I did I did I did like it. <laughs> yeah, I got fuck it. I did I did like it. I want I want to read uh just a quick review from letterbox that i liked that i thought summed this up pretty nicely and it was uh the user laird on letterbox shout okay. out to laird for your your review for this uh, for your contribution that you didn't give us any okay on. yeah but here we go so he says imagine twin peaks firewalk with me but with harvey keitel's character from bad lieutenant as both leland palmer and agent cooper and the whole thing takes place in the claw hammer fight hallway from old boy yeah, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Cuz there's some pretty, there's some weirdness, fair. there's some really kind of weird shit going on in this in this movie. Uh the bad lieutenant reference can definitely see that because the main character, the detective in this movie is a despicable, horrible wretch. And he's actually like, well, I won't say. Well, it it I think that it the parallels between this and old boy are very uh, you could draw those parallels very easily. Yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities between this and Old Boy. I think. I mean, I Old Boy. Think. I think Old Boy is still far superior, obviously, but there's still a lot of twists and things in this, and uh, a lot of just crazy, shocking moments. I there were one or two scenes where I remember audibly saying, "Oh my god!" I'd say if you're if you get squeamish when it comes to violence, this one don't watch it. Don't ever watch it. Yeah, this if one gets good to you. No, hmm. I will also say that there are several rape scenes in this. Yeah, unfortunately, which uh, is not enjoyable at all either. Uh, no, but you know, I I still would say it's it's worth a look as long as you know you you have an idea of what you're getting into. I had an idea. I I knew that it was going to be tough i knew it was going to be rough to to watch so i, I was yeah, prepared i had an idea going in have just you just because i all i saw was the poster and i'm just like well okay <laughs> yeah i, I think uh see the poster you have an idea now you have know, you seen any of uh nakashima his other films have i i don't think i have he did uh beautiful sunday and uh, the the one that I saw, the only other one that I saw was uh, Confessions that came out. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen any of that. That came out a while ago. I liked Confessions a lot. It was this kind of really trippy, not trippy, but kind of a mind fuck type. Um, I don't even know how to... It was a horror movie of sorts, but it was really, really interesting. About a teacher who was sort of messing with her students and telling them this story about her past and it was really really interesting lots of twists because one of them twisties yeah i think you'd like it you you would like confessions yeah but I'd like to check that out yeah i mean it's not nearly as rough as as this one but it's still 
That's still pretty rough, if I remember correctly. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on the world of Conoco? Uh, mm, no, not really. I don't think. Lots of lots of tight shots in this one. Didn't they? They kept everything very close, which made the the fast cuts and quick edits even more jarring at times. So many cuts. <laughs> so many. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes like straight on the like the full one when it's doing the, the, the party sequences with the dubstep going and then the yeah. cutting it just like holy shit. But so, I gotta say, whoever did the editing, they did a great job. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean they to be able to keep all that stuff organized. Yeah. I mean sometimes they cut so fast that I couldn't tell because they use still imagery too in it sometimes. And well so, there's the animation too. And, yeah, there's animation too. Sometimes I couldn't tell if what I just saw was video or still image because it cuts so fast. And you're just like, what? It's happening. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. Sorry. What what did you think of like the uh the party scenes when they would cut back to the, the party scene? Oh man, they were they were nauseating. <laughs> I mean they're I you know, well done. Yeah, I guess. They had the old text messages come up on the yeah. screen. A little bit of a little bit of everything with the emojis and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that does not look like fun. Those parties <laughs> and drugs. That shit just doesn't mm-hmm. look fun. Uh, yeah, that that's the that's the situation where I'd walk in and look around for five minutes and then just leave. <laughs> no, I don't want to do this. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and give this a score, Kevin. What are you going to give the World of Conoco? What I give the World of Conoco? Uh, I want to be like five and a half, maybe. It's Maybe a six. Maybe a six. Okay. Five and a half, six. I'm going to say five and a half, six. I'm going to go with a six and a half on this one. Um, this is playing in New York right now at the IFC Center. Draft House Films is putting it out, so I imagine that they'll be rolling it out. It's actually playing not just in New York. It's it's playing at all the Alamo Draft House locations throughout Texas. And if you go to the Draft House Films website, they have a list of all the theaters that it's playing at, so you can check it out there. And I'm sure that it'll be on VOD, you know, not in uh, not not too long, because because they're they're usually pretty good at yeah they they yeah they, uh, they have a quick turnaround yeah with their films they're usually pretty good with that. So that's the world of Conoco. Tough movie. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty pretty tough, but uh, I'd still give it a light recommend. Let's talk about our next movie, and that's Chirac, directed by Spike Lee. Having a synopsis here, a modern-day adaptation of the ancient Greek play Lysistrata by Aristophanes, set against the backdrop of gang violence in Chicago, stars Nick Cannon, uh, Teona Paris, Wesley Snipes, Angela Bassett, Samuel L. Jackson, John Cusack, Jennifer Hudson. Dave Chappelle's in there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I'll start this one off. I literally just got home from seeing this, so all of these thoughts are very fresh. I really haven't had a whole lot of time to process this one, but my initial thoughts, pretty big fan of this one. Pretty big Uh-oh. fan. I was, I was afraid that, that, that Spike Lee was losing me a little bit, because I wasn't a huge fan of, of um, uh, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. And I oh, definitely sweet, sweet blood. I know you were a big fan of that, and um, I mean it was fine. I didn't hate it or anything. I just wasn't. I don't know. It didn't really do much for me. The I was not a fan of the 
the old boy remake that he did either. I don't think he was either. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Red Hook Summer, I liked the beginning, but it started losing me and then it eventually lost me by the end. But f- for Chirac, I just, man, from the beginning, I was just on board with this movie the whole time. I thought it was, it was funny, it was poignant, it was emotional. And I just, I had a great time with it, but it's, this is another movie that's kind of all over the place tonally, because, like, one second, it is almost gut-wrenching, and then the next second, it's kind of goofy and and funny, and interestingly, the guy that was sitting next to us in the theater was bawling his eyes out the entire time, it was kind of weird and distracting, but... was, Was it uncomfortable? Uh, a few times it was a little weird. Because this, I mean, it was like almost the entire way through the movie. He's just crying, and so even during like the Dave Chappelle stripper yeah, scene, yeah. And see, that's the up. weird thing is like, I guess that's it when was, I got uncomfortable. I guess it was like leftover crying from the pre, you know, the previous scene. Yeah. So he was like still, it was like trailing off. So he was like wrapping up his cry, but it was during one of the funnier scenes, and the the and, humor of that scene wasn't able to pull him out. Well, I think it started to pull him out, but it, it just but it wasn't it enough. Just, it wasn't quick enough, yeah. and then when it came back to the <laughs> yeah. yeah, it to was gut punch. Yeah, it was kind of uh, I don't know. Uh, thought it looked gorgeous. I, man, I just love the look of Spike Lee movies. I think... oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know, honestly, that's the only thing that I could think of um, initially, like right after watching Chirac. The only really negative that I could come up with was the tone because i thought again that it was just a bit too like it would get too goofy it's a little scattershot uh and then it would come back and just you know try to be gut gut punchingly poignant and then it would be followed up by something else that's just really really goofy i think if he dialed it back just a little bit on the goofiness like the scene the scene with the general uh I I was like, what what is this? What yeah. where is this movie going? Because that whole scene with the general, I was like, this is f- ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but at the same time, I was laughing a little bit. So I definitely and, laughed at Chappelle's that that whole scene. Yeah. I thought was really funny. That was hilarious. But and then you know, and then they take it a bit too far, where the guy's like, I'm gonna dance. And just like, what is, is this? Like, just a silly, silly comedy. But at the same time, <laughs> you're yeah. you're going for you know you're you're bringing up all these names and you have all these still images of shooting victims and you know you're trying to make all these comments and stuff. And then on the other hand, you have that as well, where it's just like ridiculously silly. I mean, maybe that's his statement on it. Maybe maybe his statement is that this what's happening is ridiculous you know it's it's like True. it's almost farcical what's happening in it the world pretty much and... is and see and then that was the other thing that i kind of thought about it too is where the you know the 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 instances where i thought that it got a bit too goofy for me really the only thing was is because those that type of humor did just didn't work for me it didn't connect those those jokes didn't land really so you know, it could be a whole lot different if I actually found those things funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, like you said, the general thing that I thought that was just that felt like an entirely different movie. Yeah. I thought I was watching like National Lampoon or something. Yeah, because he, he act. It was just so over the top. And then you have, you know, the guy where, where 
uh, Samuel L. Jackson's giving his little thing, and the the soldier just screams at the camera. That's mm-hmm. just like you know what the hell is this? There's a couple other things like that where it's just like this is it's this is getting too goofy. <laughs> it's definitely a unique film. The it's it's really hard to describe because Spike Lee. I mean, he really plays around with the narrative in this. I mean, you have people breaking the fourth wall left and right, and you, you have these kind of asides that occur, and you have monologues, and you have these almost fantasy sequences, and some of it, so, sometimes it feels almost like a music video. I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting way to present the material. And, uh, oh, without a doubt. I, I, found, I found it to be thoroughly enjoyable how it was presented i th- it, I mean it definitely straddles a very thin line between being something y- unique and and an interesting way to present it and being just utterly ridiculous and just being a mess of things yeah but yeah i mean he's just able to pull it off yeah definitely it definitely worked for me because at first i was like man i don't i don't know because as soon as they started talking like the 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 first scene uh because i didn't know that the dialogue was oh and ron yeah i did not yeah that that was that was the only thing that was like my major major uh apprehension going into this i was just like hmm is yeah. this gonna am I, is this gonna work for me or is I or am I gonna find this extremely annoying? Yeah, like they kind of speak in prose for a lot of it, and I um I didn't yeah I didn't know about if it was gonna work because again you could you could make it so ridiculous like the dialogue could be so ridiculous because when you when you decide to make everything like kind of lyrical and make everything rhyme uh, a lot of times you you write yourself into a corner where you have to rhyme. A, a word and it just you come up with something that just works you know what i mean yeah like sinking the titanic with a giant frozen turd yeah you know like that was this is like i'm going along with samuel L. jackson like yeah this is pretty good this is pretty good and gets to that line i was just like oh that was terrible <laughs> I thought okay that, i thought that was funny but, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean <clears throat> I, I thought for the most part the dialogue was quite good i mean it was pretty snappy. It was pretty. It was pretty smart. I mean, just a lot of what they said, I thought worked and was. You know, yeah, I gotta say, you know, for what they're doing here, and the, the fact that they're doing it in rhyme, I, it's a hell of a script. Yeah, it's a hell of a script. Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought that it because because after you get used to it after the first five to ten minutes you get used to how this movie's going to be structured and where they're going to go with it and the cutaways and the different things that they that he's employing and once you kind of ease into it then you're you're good to go i mean it's yeah. it's all um i thought there was some great performance in this too nick cannon uh, did not expect him to be anything and i was pretty impressed with his his performance yeah. like that was weird. Yeah. Like it, I didn't know Nick Cannon could do those things. <laughs> you mean act? Yeah. Act like, and, and rap. I didn't know that that was like a thing that he could do. Man, there was one there was one thing, I think it might have been towards the end. There was a there was a bit of dialogue that he did, and I can't even remember the context of the scene anymore. But I mean, it was almost as if he was rapping and he just he just killed it. 
when he did the his uh the scene where he has the interaction with uh, John Cusack, that was quite good. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of. And when he was talking to like his crew or whatever, you know, where they have the scene where he goes and talks to his crew, and then it's immediately followed by Wesley Snipes talking to his crew. Yeah, which Wesley Snipes, <laughs> man, it was fun seeing Wesley Snipes just being like he just. He was just, just being playful as yeah, hell. Yeah, he was just oh ham- hamming it up, having fun. His laugh. Oh, oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Was, Wesley Snipes was Cyclops. That was amazing. <laughs> that was so fantastic. Uh, I was not ready for that. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for pretty much anything that happens in this movie. No, no. Um, Tayona Paris was uh, was great. I think the only thing I, I saw her in other than this was um, she was in Dear White People, right? She was the yeah. one that wanted yeah, to be famous in Dear White yeah. People. She was great in this. And, uh, of course, um, Angela Bassett, who uh, I love Angela Bassett in pretty much anything she's in. She was she knocked it out of the park. Cusack was actually. Cusack, yeah. Cusack is coming back around. That sermon that he did it's in there? always coming back around. That sermon he did was pretty fantastic, his delivery on that. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, as usual, was quite good, too. And he, uh, Oh, that's another thing that I thought was a bit ridiculous, the mayor. The mayor? mayor uh, like, uh, all of that just, stuff. Everything with the mayor was he did it. ridiculous. And I get, I get that, I mean, this is... I think that what Spike Lee's trying to do is is essentially satirize, yeah, you know, well, yeah political yeah. figures. But yes, for me, it was just a little bit too too much. I just I like I I'm okay with the idea of it. It just I I just think it could have been done better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And the mayor's played by DB Sweeney. Uh, this is a pretty long movie too. This is uh, this is two hours long as well. But it didn't feel like it. No, I, I didn't mind. Definitely felt like it. Yeah. Yeah, that one that one did start to wear. Uh this one was just it was too um I don't know, there was there was too much energy in this one for me yeah. to really feel um feel like it was slowing down or, or getting boring or anything like that. And I mean it is there's some pretty there's there's some pretty powerful stuff in this movie. I mean I, I got there were like two maybe three or four scenes that I got started getting choked up over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm it's definitely Especially a... Especially the, the last one with the uh, the confrontation with Nick Cannon, where mm-hmm. Angela Bassett and yeah. Jennifer Hudson come out. Was, it was heavy. Uh, that one was rough. Yeah, it was heavy. And I, I think that this is... Uh, what, what a time for this movie to come out, too. I mean, he... Well, I mean, it's the only reason this movie even exists, really. I mean, he happening you know days after this horrible shooting in california it's just uh and you know the shooting before that Mm -hmm. the shooting before that one and then the 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 shooting before that one and the shooting before that one yes and then that time that cop killed that person (laughs) then the time that those those white people shot all those protesters and then the other time where that cop killed somebody and then that other time where there's all those cops killed somebody you know it is a really good time for this movie. I don't want to get too political here. I don't either, but show. it just But it just seems like people shit is getting ridiculous. Them. Okay? We got to something has to be done here. And I think that that's what what this movie's trying to say. And it Okay. And this is this is something. So now we have two things now. 
that happen immediately. If I hear someone go, oh shit, did you see and you name a city? I immediately just go, oh, a bunch of people got shot. Doesn't matter what, it, that's yeah. my first thought. And the, the thing that's even worse than that, I'm 99.9% of the time right yeah. that a whole bunch of people just got shot. Yeah. Number two, the second thought is, is okay, a cop shot someone. And guess what? Usually right then too. It's just like that's that's it seems like that's all the news is nowadays. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's either it's either a mass killing or cops killing someone of color. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what it is. And and the worst part is is like when when the cops kill somebody and it's just it's clear cut and you're just like, well, this has to be the time. This is when something's going to happen because I mean, look at the evidence. Yeah, this and they is, have video yeah. proof most of the time. Video proof you see the video and you're just like, well, there's no way they're there's, they can't get out of this. Are you, there's no way. <laughs> and then yep. they do. And you're like, well, I mean, something's got to change. And within like a day of you thinking that the cops kill someone else. And it's just like, are they at, at this point in time, are the cops at a point where they're just like making a point daily? Like, Hey, we can just kill you. We can do it. It's our thing now. We can kill you whenever we like. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like it. Something's got to give. And I was surprised. I thought that there would be more kind of discussion or exploration of the whole cop thing in this movie. And they do touch on it. I mean, yeah, especially. Yeah. But he kind of he kind of goes after everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of gender issues that are discussed in this movie too. And then the, the you know the economical. Mm-hmm aspects of it and yeah i mean he he pretty much tackles everything all aspects he comes at it from all angles and that was that was one thing that really impressed me with this because it just he packs so much in here so many very very pressing social issues and he, he presents everything in a very entertaining way but it, it's it's also very thought-provoking in that yeah and, and and i says and even though he actually has a character at one point preaching you know giving a sermon about all these things and that's you know that's a large portion of when he actually points the finger at a lot of people but even though that that exists within the movie i never felt that the film itself was that preachy no no i i never thought that the film felt preachy either now maybe because i agree with you know the yeah that, i mean that the makes it behind this easier, movie a little bit easier to take yeah but I just think like that's that's a hell of an achievement where you actually have like one of the biggest scenes in the movie is preaching, mm-hmm. but your your film itself does not feel preachy. Yeah, which I'm not sure how he did that. Yeah, I think also just adapting a an ancient Greek play that was I looked at it, I was like was it first as first performed in four four eleven BCE. Yeah, and, and being able to adapt it into this form i thought it was a great way to present this story and i thought it was a pretty damn good uh adaptation of an ancient greek play yeah and in the in the original one it was about them ending the peloponnesian war so i I thought that that was uh and i liked all the little nods to to greek mythology in this too yeah where you have like oedipus and Mm -hmm. Cyclops and uh, Oedipus. What was uh, Samuel Jackson's character's name? Was Dola 
was it Dolomites. Dolomites. I liked all that stuff. Too. I just I mean, the, the only thing that's going to be interesting to see is because because he adds so many of these these elements that are that are so current like current events. Like there's you know even with like throwing the nod to like Ben Carson and stuff you know making mm-hmm. fun of him and this and that it's just like how how's it gonna age how's it gonna look with some of those references and stuff mm, I don't know it's it's interesting with Spike Lee movies he seems to be able to defy the because a lot most of his movies are very focused on the what's happening during that time you know you look at even even his newer movies like the 25th hour is very it's it's very um relevant to the time period that it takes place yeah. in and i think that all, most of his movies stand up over over time but then again i don't know school days not so sure that that would stand up <laughs> if i rewatch that now <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's a good question i mean it Again, it's it's not overloaded that it's gonna like take a huge hit, you know, a couple of years from now. Yeah, I mean, I think that some of the some of the references, just, you know, like, some of the names, you know, yeah, make, like Trayvon Martin, and uh, they, they do a, the, a George Zimmerman jab in one of the one of the lines. Yeah. I think some of those names, you know, twenty years from now, they will go over some people's heads. But I think for the most part. And and it's also the type of movie that you know we can watch twenty years from now and hopefully be like, no, man, shit was no. fucked up back then. No, I have a feeling that we're gonna watch this movie, and sadly, it's gonna be like, man, remember the- when that's all the worse it was? Yeah, it was like it wasn't that bad. Like shit was just starting to hit the fan. Now the fan doesn't work anymore, and it's <laughs> toppled over, and it's hidden underneath a forty-five ton pile of shit. Which yeah. is the way I see it going, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I for some reason I I like to feel optimistic about everything, even though it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I just, I, I, I did like that they that in I think it was in Cusack's sermon, he took the time to call out the NRA. Yeah. Well I mean come on one last political thing it just drives me crazy. We said we have more mass shootings than calendar days, which to me is just, I like, do, do you really need more of an argument outside of just saying that? Just to like say those words, let those words come out of your mouth and hear them in your ears. And it just it's like something's got to change. But yet nothing changes. Like we have shootings like every other day. Shooting, shooting, shooting. Well, that's shooting. the thing. That's the thing. And we have nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. We have one, one shooting in Paris and then everyone's like, Syrians. Fuck them! They're not allowed to come here. And it's just like, what the hell? We, like, have... we can just like all of a sudden we can decide no Syrians are allowed in here, and everyone comes together and they're signing letters and they're organ politicians. You know, seven hundred and twenty-seven shootings later, and no, still nothing. Still nothing. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we have so many mass shootings that most of them we don't even know about. Like most of them don't don't even leave local TV. Yeah, you know there there there's so many that happen. There's a yeah. There's a we're at a point now where like mainstream media is like they're turning away mass shootings. Yeah, because they're like it's not big enough. How how many people were killed? Seven. All right. Well, not big enough. 
if like ten more die, then then we'll then we'll. Does uh, the does the story have an angle? Was the person troubled? Who 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 was the shooter? Was it a lone white person? <laughs> was was it a lone white person? No. All was right. The, they were they were a loner and they were quiet. We have to figure out what's wrong. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs that we live in right now. It's ridiculous. But all right, Chirac. I can't believe this got a wide release. That surprised me. I, I, yeah, I'm really surprised that it came to York. Yeah, that's uh, that's really surprising that that it's available now. And, and I'm assuming that if it's available in York, it got a wide release. That's just my assumption. Well, the, no, the funny thing is, is it's not available in Lancaster. Huh? Usually, Lancaster gets things before York does. You know, like York is like your last ditch effort. Like the fingers crossed, you know, dear God, maybe they have it. Yeah. And they never do. That's why I was just like, oh, let me check your. And I'm like, shy racks playing there. Maybe, maybe it was some kind of deal through that theater, whatever theater it was playing at. Maybe. Cause it's, cause on Rotten Tomatoes, and obviously this is not, you know, uh, the perfect source, but it says limited release. So, yeah. Maybe maybe it is a like a semi wide release or something. I mean, Amazon uh, is backing it, so yeah, I could see see it getting uh, a slightly wider release. But man, go go see this movie. It's it takes a few minutes to get over the the dialogue, but if you just sit tight, it'll it'll definitely be worth it. A lot of old people in my screening, which was really weird, like old white people. Why do you live in a city? Uh, yeah, but because just... I notice that every time I go to the Charles in Baltimore, it's it's like it's nothing but old people. Yeah, it was really it's just weird. Like every single person I look at is over sixty, and I'm just like, wow, Baltimore's old people are fucking cool. They're cultured. We got some cultured old people. Yeah, it was really really strange. I I think that that uh, my girlfriend and I were the youngest people in that, and, and also surprisingly, you know, we went. We got there fairly early. It was at, at the Angelica Film Center. If you're ever in New York and want to check out a really cool theater, check that out. Um, we we got there somewhat early, like 20 minutes early maybe. And we sat down. The theater wasn't, there was a couple people in there. But by the time the movie started, it was almost full. I was like, what is it? 11 o'clock on a Sunday? People are going to see Chirac. <laughs> it's really, it was just really strange. And then... The the weirdest thing of all though is the so the trailers played and then the movie starts up and it was the the movie started up with a uh, a girl a, a girl singing a song and it was like a spinning uh camera shot of this girl singing a song and I'm like ah oh, that's an interesting way for Spike Lee to start this movie and then it cuts to Harvey Keitel sitting in a chaise lounge with sunglasses on <laughs> I'm like wait a minute this is not Chirac it was youth they put on the wrong movie <laughs> it was it was really funny though you have me really confused there for a second because I'm like my my shy rack started with a rap song yeah. just black with the words with the lyrics yeah. what the fuck yeah yep they started youth instead of shy rack oh you dodged a bullet yeah well i still plan on seeing youth actually but i mean it's a very different kind of movie but yeah uh okay let's go ahead and give shy rack a score let's see i'm gonna give it hmm 
is tough. I'm I'm sitting somewhere between a seven and a half and an eight on this one. So like seven and a half, eight. Yeah, seven that's point, what I'm seven point seven five somewhere in the middle there. I'm going like seven point eight two two four. There you go. Seven point eight two two four. Yeah, uh, Spike Lee. Just now, where where yeah. does this sit in comparison to the Sweet Blood of Jesus? Mm, that's a tough one because cinematically speaking and like visually and everything, I like the Sweet Sweet Blood. <laughs> I like it more. Uh... I like it more, but. On the other hand, what you know, what he's doing here with the way he gets, he tackles everything, the adaption of play, and you know the the screenplay being in rhyme. Oh man, that's good too. So they're almost they're I would say they're like equal. I'm gonna say I obviously I like this one more because I wasn't a big fan of the the other one, but I thought like cinematography wise, I thought that this one edged it out just, just no, no, no. because it's, it's still good I, it's still good i did love a lot of the cinematography and what he's doing because he, he was able to play around with it like he was able to do kind of unrealistic things you know he was able to make these kind of fantasy type things where you know the but then again he a lot of it was grounded like one of my favorite shots probably I mean, actually i had a lot of shots that i liked a lot in this movie but just that simple dolly shot at the beginning where she's walking down the street. Oh, yeah. I mean, just you have somebody walking down a city street and you do it in a dolly shot, I'm sold. Well, even the beginning from where it's, you know, it's up high and it's oh, yeah. looking at the train coming it in. Pulls and down. It pulls down. It spins around. It's it. the guy coming around the corner. That's fantastic when Nick Cannon goes to see the mural of his dad and the way it's kind of it's tracking down checking out the mural and then it kind of spins around in the can and then it follows him down the alley. That was all fantastic. Even just the simple exchange of him talking to John Cusack, I thought was done really well. Yeah. I also liked at the end when they, the two of them were, were coming together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and it, and it was like, uh, they were mo- They were like moving and the, the camera was moving with them and it kind of looked like they were floating towards each other. Great stuff. Great stuff. Good good stuff. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Yep. All right. That's Chirac. That's playing in somewhat wide release right now. I would say Kinda. I would say check your check your fandangos and see check if, your flicksters. Yeah, your flicksters. Your fandangos and your IMDBs. Movietickets.com. See your see. Googles. How many more are there? I don't know. Too many. Too yeah, too many. Too many. All right, that's Chirac. Let's go ahead and move on to our watch list. I will start it off this week, and I, I don't have as many this week as I did last week, so you'll be you'll Thank be goodness. you'll be happy to hear that. I only have like two two things to mention actually. Okay. So the first thing I saw was the end of the tour. So, oh. Yeah. This, this came out this year, directed by James Ponsolt. I didn't even realize he did this movie. Yeah, it's uh same guy that did the spectacular now and yeah. smashed. Yeah, I didn't. Wow. Hmm. I can't remember. Did did we like the spectacular now? I think I liked it. I mean, I remember I the movie. You, I think you kind of liked it. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. I kind of. I. I mean, I kind of like smashed. smashed. Yeah, you liked that one. I remember. Hmm. Uh. So anyway, this is a biopic. Nah, not really a biopic. It's a. Uh, Tells the true story of uh, 
David Lipsky, who was a reporter for Rolling Stone, and he followed around the acclaimed author David Foster Wallace for five days interviewing him. And it's basically, it's like the film starts with, uh, with Lipsky finding out that, that uh, David Foster Wallace committed suicide. And then it's kind of him remembering. It's kind of him reminiscing about the time that they spent together on this tour, which was basically, it was the, it happened in the last leg. He met up with him in the was last it, leg of his. Was it like the end of the tour? Yes. Yes. The last, <laughs> as the title suggests, <laughs> it was the end of his tour for in 1996 okay. for um, when he was sense. touring for uh, Infinite Jest. Makes sense. So I liked this movie quite a bit. However, I went into it, admittedly, I am not very familiar with the work of David Foster Wallace. I'm obviously aware of who he is and, you know, the uh, popularity. You know that he was a person who existed (laughs) at one point in time. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm aware of of his work and, and how popular he is and how acclaimed he is and all of that. But I've never actually read any of his books. Uh, my girlfriend was a, she's a huge fan of David Foster Wallace, but uh, so I, I think that there was a little bit you know missing there f- for me watching this. But I still enjoyed the movie quite a bit. I would say if you're if you are a fan of David Foster Wallace, or hey, even a fan of David Lipsky, I don't know. Ooh, David Lipsky has his fans. <laughs> I can imagine he's probably got fans. Probably, yeah, probably. I mean, he's a he's a novelist too. He's he doesn't. He's not just a reporter for Rolling Stone. Uh, that's unfortunate because I never heard of him as a novelist. <laughs> Jason Segel and Jesse Eisenberg. They they both do a pretty solid job. I think there's just uh, there was like a, a few things missing in this, but overall quite enjoyable. I, it's probably won't go on my top twenty or whatever list at the end of the year, yeah. but it was, it was still quite good. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're a Wallace I, fan. I've never read anything but Wallace. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard nothing but amazing things about Infinite Jest, but I also know that it's like a thousand pages, so... Yeah, and I imagine that the people that told you great things about it didn't actually read it. <laughs> Probably not. Come on now. Probably not. Uh, end of the tour, I'm not sure when this is going to be... I think you can rent it on iTunes right now, so check it out there. Okay, all right. Uh, I saw which I actually have a review for this, uh, the, the newest unsung indie, which I went back a couple of years for. And this is uh, Ronald Bronstein's Frownland from 2007. And this was his debut feature. And as of right now, it's his only feature that he wrote and direct. Now, he did write other things. He actually wrote Heaven Knows What. So he has that going for him. Okay. And he also right. wrote uh, Go Get Some Rosemary, or as it's also known, Daddy Long Legs, mm-hmm. which is also a Softies Brothers movie. <clears throat> and uh, and that's about it. He's also an editor, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this has the look and feel of a Softies. I can say that. Um, you got Sean Price Williams doing the cinematography. Now, this is early Sean Price Williams, but it's everything that you know and love about Sean Price Williams work. So it looks fan I mean it's gritty as all hell. It's so fucking gritty. Got that film grain. I, I mean Ryan if Ryan saw this, he'd have a heart attack from all the film grain. That just, film grain. It would just overwhelm him. 
because it's just so much because it's 16 millimeter blown up to 35 and it's just it just multiplies the film grain like like mold spores uh number one thing this is a extremely extremely difficult watch okay so this is 106 minutes long and the the main character keith who's played by, by a doorman he he he's a, he's socially stilted and he has extreme difficulty just getting words out of his mouth like he's just he's awful at it he's absolutely terrible at forming words and then making them come out of his mouth in a way that people can understand and hear them so you get to and he's the main character so you get to put up with that for the whole film and he doesn't get any better at it he starts off that way at the beginning of the film and it it gets worse as the film goes on so you have that and he's just trying to deal with living in the city his terrible job where he sells coupons door to door which i can imagine is just nothing but failure because who who has ever bought coupons from someone coming to their door no i yeah i don't know why why <laughs> i don't either that's what i kept thinking i'm like how is this a jet like how do you get paid how do you make money doing this? Who buys coupons from someone that just showed up at your door, a complete stranger? Why would you buy coupons from them? It makes no sense to me. Um, he his his life is just awful. And uh, but I'll tell you what, he gives one hell of a performance. It is unbelievable to watch. He pretty and it's his only acting credit so far. So again, first and last apparently. But oh my goodness, he it is fully committed. His performance it's just it's quite uh remarkable to watch but i will i will give you that little nugget that is it's difficult it's mm. a difficult one to sit through i think for you personally you adam you would like <laughs> this movie you you should check this out okay it, it may, you'll find it difficult though all right where did you see this i got this i got it on a dvd okay all right i'll uh i'll have to seek it out then Factor 25 is putting them out on DVDs. Uh, Factor 25, okay. Yeah. That's Frownland from 2007. I saw a movie from 1967. That's The Dirty Dozen. Oh, shit. I've never seen this before. Have you seen this? No, I have. Yeah. So, directed by Robert Aldridge. Classic. Lee Morvan classic. Uh, Tell me on it. So, Tell me. So, it's with uh, Charles Bronson, Jim Brown, John Cassavetes. Donald Sutherland's so, in there. You, you already sold me. Good job. Ernest Borgnine. Damn, I told you. You already sold me. <laughs> so basically, if you're not familiar with uh, the story of The Dirty Dozen, it um, takes place during World War II. Lee Marvin plays this... Um, oh, shit. Is he a colonel? I can't remember if he's... I can't remember what rank he is. He's, I think he's a colonel. And he gets tasked with taking these 12 prisoners and turning them into kind of a, a secret unit of the military. And what they have to do is infiltrate this uh, Nazi gala that's taking place and basically kill every Nazi that's in there. And most of the movie, the, I mean, this movie, if you've seen Inglourious Bastards, the, the influences are so prominent in this. Like, I've heard people when when Inglorious Bastards came out compare the two, but after finally seeing it, I'm just like, holy crap! It's like a, a very very close. Um, you have this ragtag group. Uh, most of them are on death row. Most of them are are 
about to be put to death, and they agree to enlist in this in this unit because they are going to get pardons if they make it through alive. Most of the movie is just them training. It's I'd say ninety percent of the movie is them training, and then the very last scene is them actually going through with the operation, which is the end is crazy. Like the action, it just ramps up. It just goes from zero to a hundred. It's it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> lots of fun. The uh, tonally, it's got it's kind of like equal parts comedy and drama, which is something I'm not used to from 1967. Seeing something like that, I had maybe kind of like a, if I remember correctly, like a the Bonnie and Clyde had that kind of tone to it, where it was mixing some comedy with violence. Yeah, I mean this movie wasn't overly violent or anything, but. Uh, I think Bonnie and Clyde is probably more violent, but um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, like each of the prisoners had their own specific personality and, you know, their, their stories were all, all unique. And John Cassavetes played kind of like the wisecracking, uh, like rebel of the group where he was just, he didn't give a shit. And he had a real problem with authority and, and Bronson was, you know, Basically, Charles Bronson. He was just like the real, the cool guy. He was like the badass. Didn't yeah. didn't talk a lot, but was uh, he was Bronson. That's what he was. Fucking Charles he Bronson. Exactly. Bronson it up. Uh, so anyway, tons of fun. This movie. Highly recommend checking this out. And the the, the final scene feels a lot like the the final scene in Glorious Bastards when they go to the theater and they're they have to kind of dress up and blend in. Yeah, you know, before the the shit hits the fan, and it, it's sort of the same thing in this. Uh, two of them go undercover. Uh, Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin go undercover as Nazi officers, and they kind of infiltrate the the gala, and then they have to uh, one of one of the guys. I'm not gonna say who, but one of them fucks everything up for everybody, and then they end up having to shoot their way out. A lot of Nazis ah, get killed in this. Awesome. A lot of Nazis get dispatched in this movie, but yeah, it's a blast. Uh, t- there's the. It, it's clear to see how many in movies were influenced by this movie. I mean, yeah, this came out in 1967, but it just it felt it it did feel timeless. It really did. So, all right. Well, I, hey, I got one from the 60s. Oh yeah, mine's a bit different. Mine's Juliet of the Spirits. Uh oh, Federico Fellini. Well, Fellini action. Fellini action back at 65 doing his thing. Uh. Juliet of the Spirits. Okay. Uh, visually, quite spectacular. Does a lot of interesting things here. Uh, he's doing, he's got visions and, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. There's, the, uh, they're doing seances. And it's essentially about this woman who comes to find that uh, her husband may be cheating on her. So she hires a private detective to find out. And guess what? He's cheating on her. Because oh. he's Italian. That's the 60s. So yes, of course he is, because every movie has that. Uh, but it's uh, I gotta say, like everything that Fellini's trying to discuss here, and what, what he's the points that he's trying to make, and the things that he's trying to explore, I just he doesn't do a good job of. Uh, and it's all kind of bland, and I don't really know what his point is or what he's trying to say, because I come to find out that okay, that this is a movie he made for it's for his wife. And his wife plays the wife in the movie. Okay. Juliette Messina. 
and she's fantastic. She's just absolutely fantastic, as she always is. Um, and it was supposed to be uh, a movie for her. And I guess to comment about the positivity of their marriage or something. But the movie's about the guy cheating Weird. on the wife all the time and just like never being around. And like, that's it. So I, I want to say that Fellini failed with uh, his intention. Maybe not. I don't know if fail is strong enough of a word, but um, <laughs> it just, it makes everything so confusing because once you're done watching the film and you're like, okay, this is, this was kind of odd because the guy, the husband's kind of a shithead and, you know, and she's trying to decide what she wants to do with her life. And she's having all these visions. Like she's going back into her past and all those types of things going on. And you're like, man, I wonder what he's really trying to say here. And then you come to find that that was like the intention of the film. And you're just like, well, now everything else makes even less sense than it did beforehand. Um, the only, the only positives outside of her performance, uh, Cinematography is pretty great at times. This is in color, so it's got that great Technicolor look, uh, especially when it goes into the the hallucinations and the the reminiscings and nostalgia and all that stuff. Uh, when he, she has the visions of the past and everything, and then second, like always, I I just always find this, I, and he really, for me at least, I only see this in Fellini films. I don't know if anyone tries to recreate it, but the way he uses wind howling for for the past. I just, it's something striking about that and the way that he uses it hmm. and how it kind of drowns out everything. So it's a, it's a great film to look at. Got that going for it. Cool. It's like a, like a very light recommend. Yeah, this one doesn't seem like it's for me. No, you're not going to like it. Uh-uh. That's uh, Juliet of the Spirits. Yeah. I have one more, unless in, if you don't have any more. No, I don't have any more. You can go ahead. Okay. I have one more. This is. Starting the old cram them in for the end of the year. I got, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher the fuck out of some French right now. Nice. Uh, uh, Two Doors de Cole, which I'm pretty sure that's not how it's pronounced. But anyways, this is, again, this is on Fandor. So 2015 release on Fandor that you can watch if you have it. It's also a movie, by the way, if you have that. Um, This is a Canadian film from Quebec. Uh, and this is one for you, Adam. This is right up your alley. Nice. All right, like, I'm listening. It's dead center of your alley. Okay. Um, it's a very simple film. Not a lot happens. You know, stuff here and there happens. But what essentially it revolves around is a 22 year old woman who has the house to herself for the summer. Her parents are gone. She lives at home with her parents. They're gone for the summer. She has the entire summer house to herself. She's just going to hang out with her friend. They're just going to enjoy themselves. Okay. This is shot in black and white. Thing happens. Mm-hmm. She comes home one day. This is early on in the summer. She's only got like two days by herself so far. Comes home early. Her older brother's there with his band. Mm. They set up shop the whole way throughout the house. They're trying to lay down a record. Can you believe this? It's going to take <laughs> all fucking summer. Her whole summer's gone. She's got to put up with this shithead. But... The, the great thing for us as the viewer is the band is actually pretty good. So the music is great throughout and the way they use it is quite phenomenal. Uh, the cinematography is, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Um, 
And this is uh, cinematographer Sarah Mishara, who also did good work this year as well with uh, Felix and Mira. She did the cinematography for, for, for that one. And, uh, and that's, the main, that's the main hook here, I would say, with this movie, is that the black and white cinematography, the framing alone is fantastic. And then the way that they incorporate these uh, just small, kind of like visual, subtle bits of comedy are just, it's perfect. I mean, I, this movie is so for you, Adam. Yeah, color me intrigued. I think you'll love this one. Cool. And that's two door Nicole. And that's, uh, yeah, you get to butcher the French too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's available on, you said Fandor and movie. Yeah. So right now. Yeah. Oh, cool. get it. All right, cool. Let's go over some predictions. Last week, Macbeth, you said 82. I said 84. Did I say 84? Yeah. 84. <laughs> Actual 83. Ooh. Yeah. So that was actually right in the middle there. You said 82, I said 84, and the actual is 83. Nice. So we both win. Yeah. We're both winners. It's a tie. Oh, it's, one of, it's a rare tie in our predictions. Nice. Krampus, you said 52, I said 56, actual 64 on Krampus. Here, oh. Hearing some good things about that one. Surprise. That's yeah, a heard, fun title today. Heard it's, one of the, it's one of the funner titles to say from this year. Krampus. Krampus. Yeah. Krampus. Yep. Chirac, you said 94, I said 76. Actual 80. 80, nice. Yeah, 80. So very glad to see that one doing good. And I read, obviously, I mean, this is obvious, but it uh, absolutely destroyed the box office in Chicago this weekend. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine, too. But like almost all the, the critic reviews that I've seen so far, just loving it. Yeah. Which I'm uh, very happy, very happy to see that. And I, I, I'm happy that I liked it so much because I was worried that I wouldn't. <clears throat> no, no, I was so excited. Like, again, we talked last week. I was so excited about it. I, I, the possibility of having two Spike Lees in the end of the year list. Yeah. When did that happen? Probably never thought that that would happen again after, like, I mean, like. No, after the Old Boy like, remake? <laughs> I was like, it's, it's done. That's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, even before the old boy remake, for a while yeah, there, he just wasn't really doing away. anything. Yeah. Got some energy to him. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Next week, we have In the Heart of the Sea. That's the Ron Howard Moby Dick one. Sweet Jesus. What are you thinking on this one? Zero. All right. I will say 52 on that. Uh, we also have The Big Short. This is uh, one with Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt. And... Is this the new Adam McKay? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm interested. I am too. Uh, it's about the, uh, the housing crisis, 2008. Which is good because I don't think we've had a movie about that yet. Yeah. That's a joke. I know. <laughs> what I was doing was think. I was thinking... <laughs> Like, I was in my head thinking about, what movies did we have? Because I knew you were joking, but I couldn't pl- think about any of the actual movies. I mean, maybe Margin Call and then 99 Margin. Homes, if you want to. But it's, I mean, this is a lot different than that. Yeah, but it's just, I, I wonder how long that's going to last. Like, how how often are we going to be making films about... <laughs> Hopefully not much the, longer, the honestly. Because think back, like how many movies were made about the Great Depression, which was like four times worse. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. We'll 
this one looks like it could be uh, pretty good, though. Looks like it's got that uh, Adam McKay vibe to it. So, what are you thinking on? Uh, uh, or, or you, guess, say... you guess the other one first, so I'll guess yeah. this one. I'll say 76. I'm going to go 78. All right. In limited release, we have American Hero. I think is that I think Adrian Brody's in that. Well, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Body, which I saw at some festival last year. I can't remember which one of them, but uh, it's a semi-interesting horror movie about a group of girls who inadvertently kill somebody and have to decide what they want to do with the body. Oh, that's why it's called Body. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That makes sense. And Don Verdeen, which I'm pretty excited for. It's the new Jared Hess. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that one, actually. <laughs> I am too. Next week on VOD, we have Dixieland, The Ridiculous Six. That's the Adam Sandler Netflix one. So that'll be on Netflix. Ooh. And, oh, yeah, no, that looks... I, I'm probably going to watch it just just to see. Just to see what we're Just, dealing cause with. Because you actually want to see the train wreck. Yes, exactly. I, I want to see how bad. I mean, it's obvious it's going to be bad, but how bad is the question. And I want to see, because there's so many people in that, I want to yeah. try to figure out why they're in it. Uh, we also have The Emperor's New Clothes, which is the Russell Brand documentary. That's it. Sure. That's it for VOD. Not a lot. There's, In fact, there's not a whole lot of stuff coming out on VOD for the rest of the year. So. Yeah. Which uh, one thing I do want to point out because we kind of mentioned it earlier, the ninth. This is for people that have Fandor, by the way, or if you're thinking of getting Fandor, the ninth, December ninth, you have Stinking Heaven coming out, Nathan Silver's new one, which I definitely suggest check that one out. And then the next day, the tenth, you have The Forbidden Room. Ah, oh, yeah, that's both cool. of those. Got both of those coming out. I want to also briefly mention we are not sponsored by Fandor. So no, we just love the shit out of them. At least I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even have Fandor, so I can't. I can't say one way or the oh. other. I mean, they they seem great. Sure, I've, I've been to the site. I looked at their lineup. Yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, uh, we should be sponsored by Fandor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to them. And the, and the other thing is, is if you were thinking like, oh, I but I need my Criterion's. I gotta have my Criterion's. That's why I have my Hulu. Well, guess what? Every Tuesday they have the they have you know like a selection of Criterion's that show up on Fandor for like I think like a week or two, something like that. Cool. So you can still get your Criterion fill. Get your Criterion on. All right, Blu-ray next week. Got Ant Man. I recommend Ant Man. Had a lot of had a lot of fun with Ant Man. It's an entertaining time. Kevin, I th- I think you'll you'll have a good time with Ant Man. Oh, I'll definitely have a time with Ant Man. Yeah. Hopefully I can get it in before the end of the year. As of right now, I think my list of movies is like 37. <laughs> so uh, mine's like we'll mine's like happens. 210. That's uh, the thing. well, the 37 are the only ones that I know of. Yeah. I know that there's even more, but I'm not looking for them because I know that I'm not going to be able to watch those 37. Uh, Minions comes out. I thankfully did not subject myself to Minions, and nor do I plan on it. FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion. Ooh. I, I think I like FX2 more than FX1, but I am a fan of, of both of them. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, FX is such an obscure series of movies, but, man, I just had a blast with both of them. <laughs> it's because I saw them when I was little. 
and that's that's why. Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, it's getting a Scream Factory oh, yeah. release. Pretty excited oh, yeah. for that. I'm not sure if it's on Scream Factory or Shout Factory. It might be Scream Factory, but it is like a family movie. It's not a horror movie. But yeah, Knock Knock. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. A lot of people seem to like that one. I noticed that after it came out, I, I had one of the few negative reviews on that movie. But hmm. I just yeah yeah nope nope not for me. Delta Force Two starring Chuck Norris is getting a Blu-ray release. <sighs> nice. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Women's Prison Massacre is getting a. Uh, I wonder what that's about. I'm I'm gonna check that one out because uh, it looks r- ridiculous and fun, and I'll probably see. I think that might be a Screen Factory as well. Transporter refueled looks like garbage. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's see what else? What else we have here? Partisan. We reviewed that on the show a while back. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a decent, decent. It's pretty good. Yeah, not a whole lot going on in it. No, nah. but yeah. One and two, which was a kind of an interesting indie superhero question mark type of movie. That's that's a that's a weird one. It's like when you watch it, you feel like you're watching uh, some kind of well, an indie movie, like a like a Malik clone. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought I remember it being like a Malik type ripoff. Yeah. It is, but it's the, the people in it have the ability to teleport. So, yeah, very okay. interesting. I actually liked it. It's it's um, d- definitely something different, so might be worth checking out. Uh, that's pretty much it for regular releases. What do you have on the Criterion front? Oh, we got two, two Criterions. First off is one from 2013, the actual directorial debut of world-famous Artie. Artist uh, Takeshi Murakami, Jellyfish Eyes. Yeah, uh, actually, we'll have a review for this one up uh, probably tomorrow. What do you mean? What type of review? Of the a Blu-ray. DVD? Yeah, Blu-ray review. Wait, you got the Blu-ray of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I requested it. And, okay. What, no. <laughs> what you wanted? Just, you know, no, you know, no, okay. I wanted okay. that one for myself. That's cool. That's Sometimes cool. I can do Criterion's too, Kevin. You'll get all of them. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I have to keep that in mind. How's um, this? I'll send it to you when I'm done. How's that? Okay. Actually, no. How about I, probably, this? I, I probably want to keep yeah. it for myself. But did you see it? I didn't watch it yet. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want it. Want it? I just want to see the movie. Oh, that's. No, you can probably see it on VOD or something, right? I. <laughs> I like how you were initially. You're like. Why don't you just send it to you? you? Can have it, and then you're like, "No, I kind of want to keep it for myself." And I was just like, "I just want to throw it out there, like, oh, I just want to see the movie, like, as in, could you just maybe let me borrow it for a couple of days?" And you're just your immediate thought is, is like, "I used to be able to see it on VOD at some point." Uh, borrow the thing. Uh, yeah, you so can... that's coming out Tuesday. Uh, and the other one we have is 1928. Speedy, directed by Ted Wilde. This is uh, the last uh, silent feature from Harold Lloyd, famous Harold Lloyd. So, and this one will actually not only be uh, Blu-ray, Criterion DVD, it'll also show up on Hulu Plus as well. Hmm. But not Jellyfish Eyes, huh? No, not Jellyfish Eyes, but that'll show up on iTunes, which is where I guess I'll have to see the fucking thing. <laughs> the, uh, I can tell you right now... Uh... Jellyfish Eyes has a really cool booklet. Like the insert in the Blu-ray is pretty cool. 
don't know anything about like the it, movie. I haven't watched. Yeah, it. but now, like now at this point, you're just rubbing it in my face. Uh, I think that's what you're doing. Well, slightly, it's kind of like a. I think it's kind of like a bizarre like Pokemon type thing. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, what it seems always... like. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I I plan on watching it tonight because uh, I want to try to get the review up tomorrow. So. Well, best of luck to you. I know. I'm kind of. <laughs> Man, Blu-ray reviews They're, are tough to do. I, do. I don't understand them. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't... I just... I don't get it. It's it's hard because we're used to reviewing, like, <clears throat> essentially a piece of art. Or, you know, like, it's... It'd be similar, probably, to a music review. And maybe... Maybe similar to a video game review in certain aspects. But I think video game reviews are probably a lot easier to do because everything. I think video games are more objective. Like you make more objective yeah. based. I mean, because with but, like the DVDs and stuff, is you know, like what do you? It's a, pro, you, it's but a like, product. Like going, yeah, but so by going to Criterion's website and like looking at the page for that, you should be able to decide. You know, okay, did I like this movie or did I not? Which usually, by answering that question, you pretty much decide if you're going to buy it or not. That's why when and I, the, yeah, the follow-up for Criterion is just like, oh, what are the special features? Which you can look and see what they are, and be like, well, is that good enough yeah, but, to buy? But sometimes you're not sure as far as like if they're worth it, if the special features are worth it. You know, for instance, you can look on the back of the box and it says like new new commentary from director blah blah blah. Uh, maybe it's a shitty commentary. Maybe it's clear when you listen to it. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't add anything insightful, True. you know, or it could be like relevatory. He says so much like inside insider stuff about the production. that's so fascinating, you know, and that stuff is worth mentioning in a, in a review. Like, Oh, you know, there's this great, it's got this great new commentary track. Sounds awesome. He's really engaging, whatever. Uh, so, like, when I do Blu-ray reviews, I tend to focus more on the, like, the cost-value ratio. Like, what are you getting? Because, especially with Criterions, because they're more expensive. Yeah. And it's like, okay, how's the transfer quality? Does this movie look good? Is it a good transfer, you know? You know if it's foreign, how are the subtitles? Just t- <laughs> mostly technical stuff. And then, yeah. like, the amount yeah. of special features and the quality of those features. Yeah. But even then, like at this point in time, you kind of know what the criterions. Yeah, you know it's going to be good, but I, I mean, I don't know. I looked at the special features on Jellyfish Eyes, and it seems like they're a little thin. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it's... which does seem to to happen a little bit with the you know the more contemporary films. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to yeah, see. I have we'll to find out. We'll sit find down, out. spend some time with it, watch it, and. I mean, that that's always one of my criticisms because we do pretty much all of the Disney stuff, like all the Disney Blu-rays we we review because Mary gets she gets all of them and reviews all of them from Disney. And one of the constant criticisms about that is their lack of special features. Yeah. And I think that if you're buying a physical medium these days, this the special features are, are pretty important like that in the box art. Right. Because. Yeah, that's really the only thing you get because yeah. you, you can pretty much buy movies digitally and they're this they're the same high exactly quality. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I like actually buying Scream Factory releases because of the cover art and stuff. They got some really cool stuff there. So anyway, that's Blu-ray reviews for you. That's how to <laughs> write a Blu-ray review. Tangents. <laughs> 
Uh, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you want to send us your questions or topics, you can do so at the email address podcast.filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And take a minute to look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber, just like our latest patreon subscriber ac did thank you ac quick shout out for you for kevin rakestraw my name is adam patterson we'll see you next week